Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the Dogs Program. The Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools are here every Saturday at 12 noon. And we're here to promote and to defend public education. That's education that's public in purpose and outcome. Above all, it is public in access. It's accessible to all children. It doesn't turn children away on any criteria at all. A public school by its very nature, must be publicly open to all children. And later in this segment, we'll be hearing about a state school, otherwise known as a public school, out Sunshine Way, that's got all sorts, licorice all sorts, whatever you want, um, and is very successful in the process. But not all schools, of course, are like this. And um, unfortunately, there's a very interesting case uh, in the in the VCAT this week that's been reported on. Uh, the dogs are also very interested in the idea of separation of church and state, separation of religion from the state, and freedom of and from religion, because this is at the basis of a lot of the private enterprise schools, the market enterprise schools, uh, that are so-called Christian schools in Australia today. There are schools, of course, of every every religious uh, persuasion these days. Uh, I'm not sure whether there's a, a spaghetti monster school, but uh, there's just about everything else. Now, we have a website at www.adogs.info and our press release 720 is going up this week. What price? Religious liberty. Sikh boys, Sid Huck, wins case against Christian school. In 1979 to 1981, Christian schools in Australia made a historical choice. They chose Caesar's coin before God, their God. They chose to fight for their state aid against those who attempted to save religious liberty in section 116 of our constitution. That was the dog's case and you can read all about it on our website. The churches and their schools won a Pyrrhic victory. A potentially strong Bill of Rights Religious Liberty Clause was read down and out of our Constitution. But the issues of religious liberty, freedom of and from religion, have never gone away. They've been there since, uh, I think, since men came out of the caves and decided that they would have um, medicine men. In Victoria... The Jewish community lobbied very hard in the 80s and later the 90s for discrimination acts and others supported the ideas and used them, sometimes for good and sometimes for ill. Issues of religious conscience became associated with discrimination on the basis of race and sexual inclination. Most religious groups felt, however, protected by exemption causes. Until now. Christian schools uh, in the last two to three decades have multiplied and entered the education market at taxpayer expense, of course, with considerable enthusiasm. They have felt secure in discriminating against children for a variety of reasons, trusting in what they took to be the strong exemption clauses in the uh, discrimination acts of the various states. But in a recent case, a Christian school at Melton 
has been found to have unlawfully discriminated against a five-year-old boy when it banned him from wearing a traditional Sikh paktika, a child's version of a turban. In a win for Melbourne father, Sagadeep Singh Arora and his son Sidhak, the Victorian Civil and Administrative Tribunal on the 19th of September ruled that Melton Christian College breached the Equal Opportunity Act. And I quote from the Fairfax Press, or sorry, from the VCAT decision. It is not reasonable to accept enrolment applications from students from non-Christian faiths only on condition that they do not look like they practice a non-Christian religion, VCAT member Julie Granger said. And of course, I'd like to note here that this just wouldn't be a, this wouldn't be a question in a state or a public school. This, if this little boy, if his father had had the sense to send him to the local state school, this wouldn't be a question. But while in this case, while this case appeared to be a uniform case, a case about uniforms, make no mistake, the Sikh father and his co-religionists regarded it as a religious freedom issue. And the Fairfax Press tells us that Mr Arora argued that the school discriminated against his son by not allowing him to wear the patka and have uncut hair, which were essential parts of his religion. Mr Arora said that he was, quote, very pleased with the decision and his son still wanted to attend the school because his cousins went there. We're very pleased that religious freedom is alive in Victoria, he said, in a statement which was also signed, and I think this is very interesting, by United Sikhs, Victorian Sikh Gudu Aras Council, the Sikh Interfaith Council of Victoria, and the Supreme Sikh Council of Australia. So there you have it. There's evidence that this was a test case uh, run by uh, a member of the Sikh community with the support of the Sikh community against a Christian school. Now, dogs consider that this is a fairly aggressive religious liberty case and note that that the case for the Christian college has been considerably weakened by their dependence on state aid. I mean, we taxpayers pay for this school. Why should they be allowed to discriminate against anybody on whatever grounds? They do claim to have an open enrolment policy, although they charge fees, of course, uh, over $3,000 a year. And at what point could this school, which is Christ-centred and promotes Christian values which are uncompromisingly established, become a captured school? Or, more to the point, at what point should it become a public school and be done with it? They also note that the Sikh father has been misled concerning the quality of the education his son would receive at this school. He wants uh, his son to go to this school because he thinks that it is um, better than the other schools in the area, I gather. And if he was concerned about respect for his son's religious headgear, he should have investigated his local public school rather than force his way perhaps into this Christian institution, which didn't want his son anyway. The My School website provides the following information about this, um, this school, this uh, Melton Christian College. It's a P-12 school and it has an ICSIA value of 1,042, which means that it's, it has uh, students from families that are well above the average in uh, income. It enrols, however, mainly middle-class aspirational parents but 22% of the students are from the top quartile of the community. I mean, it's not in the same class as Scotch College, who we found out um, you know, had considerably more. Um, and uh, I think the Melbourne Grammar had about 78% instead of 22%. But still, it is um, almost uh, a quarter of the students in this college are in the top um, income bracket of Australia. in the top middle class uh, bracket and 31% in the bottom middle class bracket, quartile. Uh, And 15% from the bottom quartile of income people in Australia. The school's NAPLAN results are far from spectacular, however. 
On the contrary, they appear to be below average in some areas. Now, what is the income of this school? How much are we paying for it? Because we are paying for it. In 2016, the school charged 3655 per student, but received 10179 per student in taxpayer funding. So really, um, more than two-thirds of the uh, funding of this school is paid for by the taxpayer, and probably more. In the period 2009 to 2015, the school took out considerable school loans. This is a school that's actually in debt. And those school loans amounted to $3,075,000. But in this period too, the Australian government gave the school $4 million, well over $4 million in capital grants. So the taxpayer is substantially paying for this educational enterprise. Perhaps it should be genuinely open to all children and taken over. And then there'd be no need for religious discrimination cases in VCAT at all. On a completely practical level, uh, dogs suggest that this is a highly leveraged enterprise, a little bit like the Uniting Church enterprise up at, um, up at Mernda, and I think there's quite a few of these highly leveraged uh, Christian school enterprises in the outer areas of Melbourne. And it's therefore insecure members of middle class, Melton, who are not yet suffering from too much mortgage stress, which could perhaps, and the dogs suggest, it could certainly be run more efficiently by the public system and then it would be open to all children and there wouldn't even be a question of a little Sikh boy having a turban or not. Well, there's our press release from this week. It will go up on our website at www.adogs.info and we'll have a short break before we come back to a few facts and figures on the schools of Milton. For three years, teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. We're proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Before we uh, had a bit of a break, we were talking a bit about the Christian College at uh, Melton and what the My School website has to say about it. And we were talking about a gentleman who wanted his child to go there willy-nilly and was prepared to go to VCAT to um, gain entry, even though the school um, had indicated that uh, they had... Uh, costume or what you want to call it, uniform requirements that the little boy with his turban was, his pat car I think uh, was not going to fulfil. But um, the father and his little boy uh, actually did have choices. What were their choices? If he wanted his little boy to have a Christian education, he could have sent him to St Catherine of Siena School in Milton West. Um, this school doesn't have the same ICSIA value as the Christian College, however. Um, it's below the 1,000 mark. It's 970. And that's because 40% of its students come from the bottom quarter and only 6% from the uh, really wealthy in Milton. However, they have 54% in the middle quarter, quarters or middle quartiles um, and uh, it uh, is not uh, a school that uh, is poor by any manner of means. But um, perhaps he, he wanted to go to uh, his little boy to go to the most salubrious of the schools. Um, and it is, after all, a uh, P to 12, whereas uh, St Catherine's is only prep to 6. Now, he could have gone 
to Melton West Primary School uh, and it is uh, not even as salubrious as St Catherine of Siena School because its ICSIA rating is 927 and its bottom quartile is 58%. And there's only 2% at this school who come from the upper classes of Australia, only 2% and only 39% from the middle classes. So um, I don't think that he would have been too much attracted to this school. Also, the income of Melton West Primary School in 2016 was just nothing like uh, that of the Christian College which we gave you earlier. The Australian Government recurrent funding was only 2,099 per, per pupil and the uh, State Territory Government recurrent funding was only 7,847. So although um, the, the, the funding from the uh, government sector was similar to that at the uh, Christian College, uh, unfortunately the fees, charges and parent contributions were only 152 uh, per student, not 3,000. So um, this school does not have anything like the same uh, income per head that the uh, Christian College has. As well as that, uh, they don't get anything like the same capital expenditure either uh, from uh, the Australian Government. They only got 195000 in 2016. And the state government only gave them 258,510. So uh, they really are not uh, in the uh, upper quartile uh, that um, the uh, Sikh father was obviously looking for. However, if he'd just gone a little bit further afield and gone to Melton South Primary School, Oh, by the way, the Milton West Primary School would be a very interesting school to send your children to. They do have um, 6% um, there of uh, Indigenous students. It's, um, and they have 36% of children with languages other than English. So if you sent your child to Milton West Primary School, they would get a very interesting and cohesive and um, multicultural education and they would even have the company of their indigenous uh, fellows in Australia. Uh, there's only 3% of the indigenous students over at Melton South Primary School and um, there's 50%, 54% in the bottom quartile and only 4% in the top quartile but um, there's considerably more, uh, over 40%, uh, 42% in the middle quarters. Um, as well as that, uh, although they only charge uh, fees of 134 per student, um, they actually all up get less than the children uh, from, st- from government sources, uh, whereas over in Milton West, you had um, uh, over 10,000 per student and you got 10,000 per student also in, um, in the Christian College uh, from the state. We're, we're paying the same for both, uh, we taxpayers. We're only paying 9,808 all up and take away 134 and 94 of that uh, from, um, from that figure and that's all the government is giving to the children in Melton South Primary School. But my goodness, their Lapland results are really worth looking at. Um, if this gentleman was interested in them getting a good Lapland result, that is, um, as far as testing is concerned, a pretty solid education, then I think he should be looking at the Milton South Primary School, not the Christian College. But that is uh, my view of the um, schools as far as I can see for a little five-year-old boy 
in Melton. I would strongly suggest that this Sikh father look further afield, unless, of course, um, you know, he has money that he wants to throw away. Well, uh, Robert uh, is going to be taking you to Sunshine. I've uh, been taking you to Melton, but Robert's going to be taking you to a great state school in Sunshine after the break. 3CR is actively advocating for equality in the lead-up to the National Postal Survey on same-sex marriage. As such, we will not give airtime to the No campaign on the basis that it is prejudiced, homophobic and harmful to LGBTIQ people and our families. Our community may hold different views on marriage as an institution, yet we agree this postal survey is a political stunt designed to appease prejudiced and homophobic views. 3CR will continue to advocate for equality in all areas. At this particular time in our political climate, we need to ensure that our members, friends and colleagues know that 3CR is a safe space for all our community. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and on the WWWs at the 3CR website. Look, as I promised, we are now have a new segment on the Defence of Government Schools Program. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. And today, it's Sunshine North Primary School. In fact, we have a member of the Sunshine North Primary School community, don't we, Andy? Hello. Yeah, hi. How are you, Rob? How are you going? I'll, I'll get you to introduce yourself, Andy. Um, you're involved with the Sunshine North Primary School, is that right? Uh, yeah, I've been on the um, school council for oh, about five years now, and I'm actually I'm actually the president, El Presidente. Of the oh, my. Oh, you're, you're the boss yeah. of everything. <laughs> what yeah, is... my, um, my youngest son's about to finish uh, this year, so this will be the end of it, but it's been a pretty good run, yeah. Oh, cool. So has he's, he's, he's been there the whole time, or is he... You are yeah. oh, cool. Uh, well, just so, both my sons went through the through the school all the way through, and um, they'll be at uh, one's at Braybrook College, and the other one's on the way. And I'll probably go and join the school council there up, when <laughs> next year. <laughs> up, at, up at Braybrook. Oh, I tell yeah. you what, uh, Braybrook's a good school too. Maybe in the weeks to come, we'll talk yeah. about that because I, I have to say I got a lot of time for the work they do at Braybrook. I, I having worked there myself, truth to tell. Oh, um, excellent. Oh, there's so many good things going out and going on in the west out of Melbourne. Look, I was going to ask you because you are the president, El President. It's good to have you here before you've you know taken all the school funds and gone to Brazil. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, oh, I'm only joking. This is a state. No, no. This is this is this is a state school. There is no money to go to Brazil on. No. Um, look, I'm just 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 tell us a little about about your experiences at the school because. I'm, I'm, I'm itching here because I've done a bit of research on your school and it's an absolute ripper in terms of all the numbers and, 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 and the work that teachers are doing. But anyway, can you just give me a sort of a, yeah. a heads up about what things are like at Sunshine North Primary School on a, on a, on a typical Wednesday afternoon, for instance? Oh, well, one of the things that they really do that annoys well, they'd be just about to finish, actually. <laughs> That's what they're doing now, <laughs> winding up. Yeah. Ten past, five past three, ten minutes to go. Yeah, look, um, it's, it's, um, the reason that, uh, my, um, um, ex-partner and myself chose to send our kids to Sunny North was, um, because of the culture there, um, unlike, um, some of the other, uh, local primary schools, like, just a very clear, um, indication that they're really concerned about the, the welfare of, of the kids and, and their growth as people as well as learning. You know, it's not, it's not a big focus on the NAP plan, um, there's no trying to, uh, shield out the students who might not perform well, um, Actually, an embracing of um, kids with uh, from disadvantaged backgrounds and, and with additional needs, and and um, just a really nice culture and, and an emphasis on that kind of um, social kind of skill building as well as learning. Okay, yeah, yeah. nice place. Oh, great! So, like, does your school take all comers? Yeah, of course they do. Because I mean, <laughs> what, what, what about what about kids with disabilities? Are, are they allowed in? Well, I mean, I I know that there are a number of. Um, and I, I, I know that the word that we used to use was, was swine students with additional needs, which is yeah. a lovely acronym. Um, oh. uh, and certainly um, there's quite a range of um, intellectual ability and certainly there's kids with um, mental health diagnoses uh, yeah. present in the school as well. Um, refugee kids, um, kids who have not been in the country very long and ne- don't necessarily start off with a great deal of um, English language. Yep. But, um, yeah, there's quite, quite a variety, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean... Um, 
look, from my research, and you can tell me I'm wrong, you've you got about a bit under, bit over 300 kids there, is that right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And I think this year you've got 14 classes across all grades. Yeah, is so that... most of the grades are um, combined, so they'll they run a um, uh, prep one, two, three, um, oh, sorry, was it prep? Yeah, prep, I, one, two, I think they're all mixed up, like fives yeah. and sixes all yeah. get to hang out and the threes and fours all get yeah. to hang out and the, and the ones and twos all get to hang out as well. But there's 14 classes, 300 kids, so, you know, it's, 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 it's not a bad little school in terms of the people-teacher ratio, I have to say. But like yeah. I, I'm, I'm just looking at the numbers here in terms of distri- income distribution. Like, if you're looking at the bo- more than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's... It's definitely um, that's that's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's who that's who we welcome into the school. So, oh, absolutely! Yeah, in fact, seventy-one percent of the kids in your school are in, in, in the bottom half bottom half of the income bracket. So, you're talking about yeah, yeah, you're yeah. talking about people that have been in Australia for a while. You've been talking about refugees. You're talking about people with physical and and, and mental. Well, I don't like using the word disabilities, but challenges for teachers in a classroom context, I think it's fair to say, yeah, in, in, right. in a school, yeah. and, and everyone's there having a good time. Um, can I tell you, I don't know if you're aware of it, but you're, you're, you know all those silly NAPLAN results and stuff that you get out? Yeah. I mean, your school's doing fine. <laughs> I tell you, oh, yeah. I tell you right now, especially in year three, you are way above the average. Whatever those teachers are doing with those kids... They're doing real well as far like as far as similar schools are concerned. They are just cooking with gas. You're, yeah, it's a well, good school. Something I guess I, I get to see um, sitting on the school council is um, you know what what what's the pedagogical theory and, and application thereof you know behind the school and you know so rather than a commitment to let's get higher in our plan scores, there's a commitment to what what are the best ways to teach? What's what's out there? You know what's evidence based? What can we use as our models? Oh, and how yeah. can we get everyone on board? And and I think that's that kind of that is what works. Oh, absolutely. Well, that has to be yeah. what works when in your school out out out, out there in Sunshine, um, basically, nine out of ten kids come from a language background other than English. In your school, yeah. I mean, I'm telling you that. I'm I'm, I'm not not pulling it out of there. I'm telling you that's what's going oh, on. No, no, <laughs> you're telling you know, you know, going on in right. your school. Um, and when you've got those sort of situations, you've got to be on your toes. You've got to have a bit of passion, and you've got to start to look around for what works. And when you find it, you keep it, don't you? Mm. And look, that's reflected in the in the breakdown of the teachers as well. You know, it's a, it's very much a multicultural school, and and um, diversity of all sorts is is pretty pretty welcome. And and certainly, um, you know, I grew up in pretty white bread suburbia, and I'm just thrilled that my kids. Like, I don't have to explain to them what racism is. They tell me. They're onto it. It's, oh, it's just it's oh, so look, good. <laughs> if your kids yeah. go to a school like that, it's almost impossible for them to make a judgment on someone by the way they look when they grow up. Do you know what I mean? It's just... Yeah. If you, if, if you grow up with all comers and you learn the... You know, basically, I, I happen to know that the values that your school your school actually really go for are excellence, respect and cooperation. Like, if that's what they're getting from prep to six and they're... Not just words, yeah. but but lived out in the school community. It, it's almost impossible to sort of see difference. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean when, when it comes like, to skin um, colour and silly things like that. In in the weekly uh, uh, assemblies and stuff, they have a little uh, thing. Uh, You've been caught being good. Oh thing. no! So it's, um, embarrassment. <laughs> and um, and they have a, a value of the week each week, and and so there's like a. They actually, it's not just. Um, words that is actually um, discussed about how it might be put into play and, and then recognise when it is. So it's really nice. Yeah. Oh, look, look, thank you so much for like talking to us. I, I've got some more questions for you, but you can't tell you, can't tell you how nice it is here in the studio and probably out in Radio Land to have me not sitting here talking about facts and figures, but actually to hear someone talking <laughs> about what goes on on the ground in a brilliant place called Sunshine North Primary. Now, I happen to know, again, just because of my research, but I want you to tell me exactly what's going on. You do all sorts of stuff when it comes to that horrible word, pedagogy. Like, you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got vis- physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking thing going on as well? Yeah, so um, it's part of the um, Stephanie Alexander kitchen program. And so there's a, as a kitchen garden, as a, a garden that took some veggies, and um, they, every week the kids do um, do cooking in this magnificent kitchen. Oh my stuff, gosh! Um, well, there's there's one um, employed staff member, and otherwise it's uh, a lot of parents come in and assist with the the cooking program, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah. they run a, a breakfast club every um, only once a week, unfortunately. But yeah, there's a recognition that um, 
some kids don't don't get breakfast, and so there's there's food on every Wednesday morning from eight o'clock. Yep, unlimited amounts there. Well attended, I'm sure. I mean, I'll be there if you cook, yeah, cooked that's himself. right. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll turn up. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll walk in and pretend I'm a primary school kid. No worries. That sounds, that, that sounds awesome. I mean, I suppose being such a brilliant school in Sunshine North, I suppose it has a very market effect on the property prices there. Everyone wants to move into the school zone so they can send their children there. Yeah, I, I couldn't comment on that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 being, I'm only being a little bit facetious, you know, because that is, in fact, the new trend. <laughs> when you get a bunch of really good teachers working in a school, and your school's been open, I think, since 1956. I mean, yeah, I believe that's right. Yeah, yeah. it's been going yeah. for a while. It, nothing to do with you back in those days, but, like, it's been going for a while, and, it, and the successes, you know, both in terms of those silly numbers that NAPLAN sort of kick, kick, kick along with, but also just in terms of what you're talking about. I mean, would it be fair to say that your school and your community are sort of together in, in what's going on there? I mean, you're talking about the parents being involved. Is, is, that, is, that, is that a common thing in the school? Um, it's interesting. Like, I, um, there is a, um, I think that there's still more work to be done there in involving parents, particularly from um, Vietnamese background, because it does make a big part of the, um, of the school um, the membership of pupils, but it's, it's not reflected as highly in... Um, the parent participation and there's, I guess, there's some questions to ask. What do we, what can we do to make that better? Okay, but um, it is, it is generally pretty good, you know. Like people, people will get involved in one way or the other, and um, certainly when they have that, we have the, the parent nights uh, a couple of times a year, and um, parents come from pretty much everyone's parents come and do a little school tour and take uh, part in little activities and. Um, so yeah, so on some things, yeah, really good. Other things, yeah, be be nice to see. A, be nice um, to see improve. Oh, I'm so glad you said yeah. that because it, it, it sounded like some education utopia out there in Sunshine. sunshine. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was beginning not to believe There's it. always more we could do. That's brilliant. Oh, look, I've just got to thank you very much, by the way, for, for taking the time out to talk to us here on the Dogs Program on the 3CR because um, no it's, it's good to have your voices. But I've just got one question for you, and this is not as an expert, but this is as a parent. Um, just recently, the Federal Minister for Education, Simon Birmingham, has decided that we, all the children in Australia need another test. And they're, ga- and they're going to extend the NAPLAN test to grade one. Yeah, yeah. it's just ridiculous. I mean, we already know that um, standardised testing isn't a great way to improve school performance, and um, it, it'd be better off to focus on how do we get the best teachers and support them to do their work properly. That's what, yeah. that's what needs to happen. Oh, you know? Straight up. So you know that's that's my instant response. Yeah, yeah. I, I just thought because yeah. you know because you're involved in the in the in the primary school parent community, and the idea is that a mm-hmm. one year old child. Now, how I mean, just 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 remind us how old a one year old child is. Year one. Uh, no, um, I, sorry, about, not one year old, but a, a grade one <laughs> child. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be about six. Yeah. About six. So yeah, you're going to yeah. You're going <laughs> to test a six year old on their literacy and numeracy. <laughs> oh, it's just craziness. I think. Yeah. Oh, poor teachers. Oh, well, and because, you know, we know how kids develop and there's all sorts of different people move at their own pace and it's, it's looking at where people are at towards the end of primary school is, is I think, you know, there's a, there's a reasonable argument for that, but certainly when they're just starting, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, look, you're, like, the other thing is, of course, out at Sunshine North, everyone always needs more money, but what you're doing now and obviously what you're going to probably plan to do in terms of community outreach into... Into, into particular communities, you know, that surround the school. What you're doing, you're doing on 13 grand a year per kid. And, um, yeah, yeah. It's, and, and um, <laughs> you guys... It's always, it's always much free discussions, I can tell you that, yeah. Oh, sure, yeah. But, but you're doing what you're currently doing on $13,000 per kid a year. And you know what? My taxes, you can have them for that. You know what I mean? That, that Thanks, is, Rob. That's no, awesome. Oh, but seriously, that, yeah. is, that is half the price a parent will pay to, to send their child to a sort of medium-grade private school in the centre of Melbourne. And out, and out there yeah. in Sunshine North, you, you just, you, you're not doing it for chicken feed like it's money but i tell you what it's it's good value what you're doing there yeah, in state education and I'm, I'm looking here at sort of fees and charges for the parents per per children it's about 300 bucks on average that each parent's kick, kicking in for each year i mean that i mean that's yeah. still i mean that's still 300 if, they, if they've got it i mean obviously yeah. there's um there's some parents where that's not possible and that's you know taken into account but yeah oh thank you for saying that because I'm I'm, yeah. I'm 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 sitting here with the figures but i happen to know and of course you you live it because you're president of the school council 
Uh, there are some families that say, well, look, I, I can't afford that amount of money. Can I not pay it? And, of course, out at Sunshine, you'd be going, yeah, that's all right. Don't worry about it. Yeah, look, um, certainly some of the ways that um, the um, educational support money from the government has been paid has changed. So um, until a couple of years ago, a portion of that money went directly to the school. Yep. And, th- and that's no longer the case. So um, that means that we are asking those parents if they will pass that on to us because yeah. we're going to use it. But if, if they choose not to, then we know we're not going to kid out. <laughs> oh, no. That's how can't. it is. <laughs> well, no, I mean, actually, having yeah. those, you know, having an understanding about what's going on on the ground in those situations is actually really useful. Well, thanks, Heath. Thanks, Heath. No worries. Uh, no, we, we, I just have to say, we've been talking to the president, president of school <laughs> council at, at, at Sunshine North Primary School um, on our sort of state schools and great schools around Victoria segment here on the Dogs Program. Look, thank you very much for your time, and um, hopefully you keep listening. You're most welcome. No worries. We've been talking to Andy Sinclair here on the Dogs Program, president of the Sunshine North Primary School. And we'll be back with more dogs after a little bit of music.
Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 and AM Dial. Yeah, music changes up, changes down. We changed all the way down there to Dido's Lament by Henry Puckle. Sorry, sorry, Henry Purcell. Oh, jeez, I'm, I'm, I'm a real Palestine tonight. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, oh, look, that was fundamentally why we're going to be doing things differently here on the Dogs Program for listeners to be around for a while. We're going to try and get someone on from a school every week, and if not, we're going to report on a different state school every week. Now, if you want your school highlighted on 3CR 855 and AM dial and want to tell us all about how wonderful it is, please do. In fact, call the radio station and we'll book you in for a session. You can come on the air and we can find out about your school. It can be from the country, it can be from the city, it can be from the suburbs, it can be from a school on top of a high rise in the middle of the city or it can be a school out in the way back of the Wimmera. We don't mind. If it's a state school, we want to hear about it. State schools are great schools. That's what we're on about. Give us a call at the radio station at 94198377. That's 94198377. Yes, yes, we leave a message. Someone's ready to take your call. We'll put you on the list and I'll give you a call back. Yes, you'll hear my dulcet tones on your telephone, not just your radio. Sorry, sorry to shock you. But no, yes, you can and we'll find out about schools all around Victoria as we go through because I think it's about time. We found out more about what's going on the ground, not just up here in the airways when it comes to state education. Right, well, let's, let's talk about back on the airways, up in the air. Let, let's talk about some extraordinary research that's actually just come out of the United States. And this is one of the most extraordinary findings, I think, will be of absolutely no surprise to any teacher ever. And that is, if you can get small children early and if they're in a disadvantaged situation and you can give them extra time and extra attention to support them in their learning early if they come from a disadvantaged background, good things will happen. There you go. That's, that's the finding of this amazing study in the United <laughs> States. If you get kids that have troubles and they're young and you get them early and instill a love of learning in them so that they can be curious and feel free to be curious about the world and learn and learn and learn, then good things will happen. Yeah, that's the findings. Yes, this is the findings published in the U.S. National Bureau of Economic Research's journal. Very prestigious, yes, and it's all in an economic journal, so it must be true because economists are always being much cleverer than us. They found that if you increase expenditure on disadvantaged preschoolers and disadvantaged in general, the school results improve and the life outcomes for those individuals also improve. It shows strong synergies between increased expenditure on preschool programs and school education. And while spending on either type improved academic outcomes to some degree, access to both resulted in a dynamic complementality that offered a far greater long-term benefit. Let's talk about the long-term benefits of taking preschoolers and giving them the time and energy and effort at that very early stage. So what are these benefits? Okay. The study found that if you increase the spending on what they would over there called their Head Start program, they actually did this as, as, as a trial, as an experiment, and they set up a Head Start, which is a large US preschool program for children for families below the poverty line, and the increase in expenditure on public schools each individually increased over the years, and these actually over the, over the years, having done this, increased the likelihood of both poverty and being imprisoned as an adult. Yes. For low-income students, that is, it reduces your prison populations and it increases the chance of those individuals making a living for themselves. Now, they suggest that the Head Start expenditure was larger when followed by access to better-funded public schools after they'd finished it at preschool. So if you have a really good state school, once you finish spending the money at preschool, then that's even better. And they found that $1,000, which was a 25% increase on what they were doing before, for four-year-olds, increase the years in education by about oh, three or four months, which is not much, but they increase the average adult wages once these four-year-olds have been given this extra time by about 2%. That's not much, but it's certainly something. It also reduced the likelihood of, their inca of, of incarceration by about 1% for these poor students as well. Now, in America, a reduction in 1% of the... Of the 
prison population in America, I think, ends up being about 1.2 million people. Great. Because in America, of course, they have by far the largest prison population of any country in the world, either per head or just in real raw numbers. Okay, that's good. You spend more money on poor kids when they're four years old, you get good results. You get smaller prison populations and they end up earning more money. Well, yes, radical results. But it goes further, and this is actually where it gets interesting. Because these are considered to be large effects in in statistical terms. But if you increase the spending on non-poor children, there is no statistically significant effect. That is, if you take a four-year-old from a wealthy background in the United States and you spend extra money on them, there is no net positive effect. I think that's interesting. I think that's interesting when you talk about equity results. I think that's interesting when it comes to terms of if you're going to spend money effectively, if you're going to spend it efficiently even, I hate using that word, when it comes to education, if you're going to spend money effectively and efficiently and you have no net effect in spending extra money on wealthy four-year-olds, then don't spend it on them. Spend it on the people that need it. Targeted funding when it comes to socioeconomic status in the United States works. Of course, this whole thing is part of a Head Start program and it wasn't actually means-tested. So they have these results. And I think it's absolutely fascinating. In sum, increase in spending on four-year-olds improves the adult outcome for poor children and has no effect on the outcome for non-poor children. In contrast, increasing spending in K-12 improves adult outcomes for poor children and non-poor children too. Because this study went on, not just talk about preschool, but then what happened when they went to school after that. Mm. Now, I won't go into it too much, but I think this is very interesting. It's kind of like stating the obvious. (laughs) Um, So it's not interesting in that regard, but it's nice that they've done the work to say, well, yeah, even in preschool level, if you just give the give these children something to hold on to. They can then hold on to it for the rest of their lives, not just to the benefit of themselves, but when it comes to you know, lowering the prison population, to the benefit of all of us, actually. Well, of course, Robert, you're an Australian, so you know this in your bones going back to the 19th century. Australia was a convict colony. So what did they do with the children of the convicts? They worked out that if you spent just a little bit money of money on national education, you'd spend a lot less on prisons. The Minister for Education back in the very earliest days of Australia was the Minister for Public Instruction and Prisons. Uh, so Australia, the very earliest people in Australia, the governors and the parents, all of them understood very, very clearly that if a child is given a chance as early as possible, then you spend a lot less on the prison system. Hmm. So, Australia, back in the day, knew what they were talking about. They knew this instinctively, obviously, and in America they just found it out. So, with all this brand new information, let's turn to our Federal Education Minister, Simon Birmingham. Our Federal Education Minister, Simon Birmingham, is responsible for... I'm, actually, I'm not sure he's responsible for prisons as well, is he? Anyway, he's certainly responsible for education in Australia, and he's got a solution. Informed by the evidence, what he's going to do is he thinks to improve very young people's educational outcomes is to give them a test. It's not him. It's Jennifer Buckingham. It's the people in the uh Public Institute of Public Affairs. They can't do anything better than to look at six-year-olds when they know absolutely nothing about either education, how children learn, psychology, anything. I have never, never, never um, thought that we could be ruled by such levels of educational ignorance. Well, actually, Jean, that's just an opinion. (laughs) And that opinion is actually, in fact, backed up not just by the evidence, but by the evidence that's freely available to Mr Birmingham himself. Because let's talk about this test they're going to give to six-year-olds. Are they going to write it themselves? Are they going to sort of find out what it is they wrote? No. Who's going to make money out of it? That's what I'm They're going to buy it off the shelf. They're buying this test off the shelf. Yes, they're buying it off the shelf from a country that is well-renowned for for excellence in education. They're buying it from... No, they're not. They're buying it from England. Sorry. 
not not Finland. They're buying this test from England. And this test has been used in England for some time. And you know what? It has failed to improve reading skills in the United Kingdom up until this point. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. It's proven to be over there. Now, Birmingham has put this plan, which has just been presented to all the state and territory education ministers last Friday, and includes the implementation of an adapt version of the British phonics screening check across primary schools by 2018, and the development and introduction of a numeracy check for six-year-olds, so not just your reading and writing, but your numbers, in 2019. Birmingham said this is a light-touch assessment, and will, and I quote, Teachers, parents and schools know at the earliest possible stage if children are picking up reading and counting skills and enabling them to intervene rapidly. Okay, so you can see the principles there. It's a light if touch from people who want to make money from, uh, from corporate, corporates in England, isn't it? Yes. Well, a light the touch into the taxpayers' funding. Well, what do the AEU say about this? Pretty much nothing. But what do the New South Wales Teachers' Federation say about this? Well, Maureen Mulhern from the New South Wales Teachers' Federation says, and in no uncertain terms, she's absolutely, well, I'm going to use the metaphor, she's infuriated, but you can imagine what she really thinks. She's infuriated by this nonsense that we have to endure. She says, Britain achieves even worse results than Australia when it comes to testings of any sort. I'm pointing to Britain's actually has lower scores in reading and in counting. Also in science, just by the way. But I'm sure it was six-year-olds in science. Well, you can go to ScienceWorks for that, can't you? Anyway, he says, we do not need another test. We are testing kids in Year 3, in Year 5, and Year 9, and HSC, and we don't need additional tests and data like this. She says, teachers already use phonics plus a range of other reading strategies to suit, students, to suit students' requirements. And just by the way, for those educationalists out there, I'm, I'm not going to get into the phonics debate, but phonics was used, then phonics wasn't used, and now it's being used again, and it's being used with other things as well. It's not good or bad, it's just the way things are at the moment. The answer is yes, they use phonics in New South Wales. They also do in Victoria, but they use other whole word strategies as well. If it works, it works. It works, and, and it works different ways on different, different children. That's right. The Australian Education Union, Karina Haythorpe, said teachers were gravely concerned about the news checks. Oh, the AEU. Come on. Wake up. Smell the burning. Can't use gravely concerned when the you're going to go, no, this is infuriating and it's complete nonsense. Anyway, she goes on to say, this is the President Karina Haythorpe of the AEU, she says, it's based on the assumption that assessments for students are not taking place in our schools and that is not correct. Well, of course students assess. Are assessed. They're assessed by teachers every day. They have conversations with teachers. They do work for teachers. The workers got back. The teachers don't know what's going on. Just because Birmingham doesn't know what's going on, <laughs> I don't care if Birmingham knows what a six-year-old's learning in class. I really don't. I'm sure Jennifer Buckingham hasn't got a clue. Well, well why does she want to know? I don't. I don't want Jennifer Buckingham to know what the six-year-old's doing in mm. class. It's got nothing to do with education. She's just from the Institute of Public Affairs or Independent Studies or something mm. or other. I want to know how much it's going to cost us and where the profits are going to be and for whom because I think this is a scam. Well, it's interesting because Paul Gardner, who's the Australian Ambassador for the British Literacy Association what and a senior lecturer in literacy at Curtin, University. Interesting. He said the phonics-focused test, he quotes, is a very confusing strategy for Australia to adopt. Oh, he's an academic, so he'll be sitting on the fence. Mr Gardner, who was previously a university lecturer in Britain for 19 years, including in 2011 when the phonics screening check was implemented, said the structure of the test is actually problematic. He says, this test has 40 discrete words with no context whatsoever. And 20 of the words are nonsense words, like shup and beff. And what happened in English, in England, is that teachers are spending significant amounts of time teaching nonsense words to get a good test. Can you see what's going on here? You, you, you're an ex-teacher, Jane, you know. If you want a child to pass a test, they have to know what the right answers are, but they also have to know what the wrong answers are. So, in England, they're teaching the wrong answers as well as the right answers, which kind of makes everyone's, well, it's a waste of time. He said the year... They'll one be drilling teachers. It's the easiest thing to do if you're a teacher that's got a reasonable discipline in a class. You drill. 
So what are they going to do? They're going to drill for the test and they're going to drill nonsense words. That is not just non-educational. It's anti-educational. And do you know what? It's proven to be anti-educational. And I'll tell you why. Because he said that the scores in these tests since 2011 have improved significantly since the test started. But there have been no corresponding increase in reading scores by the time they hit grade two. So what you're, that tells you is that the teachers are get her, getting better for teaching for that test, right. but reading and writing and numeracy ain't getting no better. Craziness. So that's what Birmingham. So we've got these results from the United States saying that if you spend money on preschools from, from poor communities, you get significant results that not just benefit the kids and the parents, but society as a whole. And then you get Birmingham saying, we're going to do a literacy test and a numeracy test on six-year-olds be, because... Oh, oh, because just, somebody just, had a bee in their bonnet, bonnet about phonics. Some somebody from we teach phonics long, long, anyway. Yes, teach phonics anyway. It's all anyway. So I'll so I'll calm down, Jean. <laughs> I'm not shouting at you. I'm I'm not shouting at the audience. I'm shouting at Jennifer Buckingham. Sorry, Jennifer. That was rude of me to shout at you. But seriously, you don't need to know what six-year-olds are going on. The teachers know that. They're the people that need to know. Give them a a bit of support, eh? In some countries, they don't even start to teach children to read until they're seven or eight. Oh, and their countries... The Scandinavian countries, they don't go near a school until they're six, seven or eight. And they got better results at VCE than we do. Of course, of course. they do. Anyway, look, it's it's all rather grumpy, but cheer up, folks, because we're going to be on again next week and we'll be discovering what's happening in another brilliant state school around this wonderful bright brown, green drought-ridden, rain-soaked land of ours called Australia, because we'll be back again on the DOGS program to defend government schools once more. We're doing that next week. We're doing that next week at 12 o'clock on a Saturday. But if you haven't had enough DOGS for today and you want to get some more before you hear us again next week, you can. You never have enough DOGS. We have a website at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. But until next week, it's bye for now. I dreamed I saw Joe here last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City, just as I am standing by my bed, they framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I'm dead, says Joe. Says, killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe. I didn't die, says Joe. I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes. Says Joe, what they can never kill Went on to organize Went on to organize From San Diego up to Maine In every mine and mill Where workers strike and organize It's there you find your hill Yeah.